Greetings, I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. Welcome. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now, if we choose to. Here we are, just a few scant, precious days before Christmas, before Christmas celebration. And what is Christmas, really? Well, it's Christ Mass, And for those of you such as myself who are not Catholics, Roman Catholics, or any other variety, perhaps Christ Mass uh, does not have the same ring that it would for those who identify themselves as being Catholic. But Christmas is, regardless what the great social planners and engineers and manipulators of the thoughts and emotions and feelings and passions of the public, including the great unwashed masses of which I am a member, regardless what they put upon us, how they exploit us and would have us believe contrary to the truth. Christmas is the celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ, of God the Son, on this earth. And absent Christianity, this world would not be remotely similar to to what it is now. And you might think, well, maybe that would be a good thing. As much evil, as much violence, as much depravity, as much injustice, as much suffering as there is on this earth, maybe it would be a good thing if it were different. Well, all you have to do is look at the glories of communism and fascism and every other form of socialism to see how wonderfully improved this world would be absent Christianity. Socialism, communism, fascism, wherever you find it on the earth, wherever it has existed, is always at the absolute root At the vortex, it is utterly, maliciously, malevolently, viciously, ruthlessly, sadistically, determinedly bent on the annihilation of Christianity and of its forebear Jewry. Now you might say, well, that's just your uninformed, ignorant, biased, prejudiced opinion. It happens to be the truth. Check on it if you care to. If you happen to listen to my programs, chances are that you would not take exception with that. However, once upon a time long ago, far away, when I first started broadcasting, not when I had a little brief Uh, foray into broadcasting 
at one college that I attended where I was only able to DJ as compared to having a a program of some other description and merit. But going back long ago, back when I first started broadcasting programs, I started with a radio program that was an evangelistic, if you will, program intended for the great unwashing masses, such as myself, and intended to provide some glimpses of truth, some recognition of God's fingerprints in this earth, and all of that in the context of beautiful inspirational music, such as that of, and this I will probably lose you here if I haven't already, some of that being that of Elvis Presley. Now, he had a variety of different kinds of gospel music, so-called, which I didn't care for. And then he had all of his other stuff, you know, that he's known for, which I could barely stand. But he did record some of the classic, standard Christian worship songs. And I featured those along with music provided by others, such as Steve Green and so forth. And then I started hosting a television program, a television program by the same name as this program, namely After All is Said and Done, and that was a public affairs program. And and I'll get to my point in just a moment. And then I included another program and then another program. So I was actually producing, hosting three different television programs at once while also doing a radio program that was different from any of the TV programs in terms of what it addressed. And I encountered massive resistance and downright persecution, not only from the sodomite group that had a stranglehold on this public cable access station outside of Washington, D.C., in the area of Northern Virginia, from which they bicycled, that is the term that was used, they bicycled their programs to other public cable access stations around the nation, such as in Austin, Texas, and so on and so forth. And they were producing a number of programs. It was three, I think they increased it to four. They had a group of sodomites that were dedicated to corrupting, to perverting the social landscape, to causing people to view sodomy in a different light and to popularize it. And their battle cry there was depth and diversity, 
which I referred to on some of my programs as being dearth and perversity, which it is, which it was, which it is, which it will always be, dearth of truth, dearth of righteousness, dearth of godliness, dearth of natural God-created way of living, and utter perversity, perversity of sexuality, perversity of humanity, of humankind, perversity of God's ways, perversity of life and love and truth. But they succeeded. They succeeded in a number of ways. They succeeded in getting me kicked out of there because they had their covey of little petty fiefdom movers and shakers there running the place. And they got me run out of there, and they destroyed all of my programs and so on and so forth. Anyway, and I might add, they also, they charged me. They made the accusation that I had committed sexual harassment. That was the first time I'd ever heard the term. And what I had done is I had tried to reach some young women that were working there, tried to reach them for the Lord, tried to cause them to read testimonies of how God had helped people who could not help themselves and would not help others. But, And these young women were, I don't know, it seemed like always dressed in black and what have you. And so they illegally managed to bounce me out of there, and then they destroyed my programs. And they were concerned that I would be noticed and picked up by a major affiliate because this was right outside of Washington, D.C. And in fact, a British film crew that came in that happened, unbeknownst to me, happened to take some clippings of my programs and and showed them on a... Uh, I don't know what, newscast or whatever, and said, anyway, said some things about me. They were concerned about that. Well, this is back before Fox News really got going. And Fox News never had any use for me because I was just the wrong kind of person. I didn't believe in giving equal time to the lies of the enemies who controlled the airways. I never believed in that. I didn't believe in it then. I don't believe in it now. This fair and balanced nonsense, that's the kindest term I can use is nonsense. They had a stranglehold on the media back then, the left, and that has only been somewhat eroded by cable and by Internet. But this idea... Roger Ailes' great plan that will be fair and balanced. We'll give equal, say, equal coverage to left, right, whatever, and you make your decision. I never agreed with that, and so I never fit in with Fox News, and, and that would have been the only one that I could have gotten on with. Again, this goes back a ways. I'm talking about the earliest 1990s. Think of Bill Clinton and Hillary Rodham and Albert Arnold Gore Jr. coming into power in the White House. Well, I mention this 
again, I, I digressed, I apologize, but even amongst the sodomite core, cons- not constituency, but the group that was putting their various programs on, one of them being called One in Ten, promoting the lie that 10% of the U.S. population was sodomite. Uh, They never concerned themselves with being truthful. Lying comes naturally to those who follow Satan and serve Satan. But even amongst their group, they and all the stuff that they pulled to harass me, and they did harass me. I didn't harass anybody, but they did harass me constantly. I had them battering the windows of the radio booth, radio station while I broadcast. I had them squatting in the TV studio to keep me from getting in there and doing my programs. All kinds of stuff. But anyway, even amongst their group, I still got feedback to the effect that this one or that one, that they listened to my programs, they watched my programs, because even though they absolutely disagreed with me, they still appreciated what I had to share. They still appreciated what I said, how I said it. So that's where I was was getting to, is that it's possible that you may listen to the programs in spite of disagreeing with me. It's also possible that in addition to listening for those who might listen to the programs despite disagreeing with everything, that of course a great many of however many happen to hear the programs that they would disagree with a portion or a significant amount, what have you. But I'm not going to concern myself with that because I don't believe in pandering I don't believe in compromising in order to please others. And that's really hard for me because I've always been a people pleaser. So that's really tough for me. I have to really struggle not to give in, not to yield on these things. And it's caused me trouble all of my adult life as far as my tendency to want to please everybody and their brother and putting them before myself. But if we put others before ourselves, then we're putting others before our families and loved ones. And while some would hold that that is really the essence of Christianity, it is not the essence of Christianity to honor others ahead of those who worship and honor and obey God. It is not the essence of Christianity to tolerate evil. It is not the essence of Christianity to embrace wickedness or to refuse to oppose evil. It is not the essence of Christianity to honor those who war systematically against God and his Christ 
and those who worship and obey him and serve him. It is not. And yet, the American church, and I use that as a universal term, the American church is rife and replete with hireling ministers and pastors and those who just take and abuse and exploit the congregations and those who come to them and who enrich themselves at the expense of those who come and who will degrade and prostitute the gospel in order to further their own ends, even if they are not explicitly attempting to promote satanic lies, but merely like the corrupt politicians, of which there are many, simply seeking to further their own agendas, and who wind up, of course, being used by the explicitly evil to those ends. But here we are on the verge of Christmas, of the worship the worshipful celebration of the birth of Jesus Christ. And I'm going to say more about that in some other programs. I'm going to be doing other programs than after all is said and done. And I really save such things for such programs as compared to this being focused on news, public affairs, public events, life and death issues, and so on and so forth. But it always upsets me when I hear ministers and Christians or professing Christians referring to Jesus as being so meek and mild, or him being depicted as just being so jovial, almost Santa Claus-ish, very much Santa Claus-ish. Take away the red suit. Take away the blubber. Take away the white beard, replace it with a dark beard. Take away the white hair, replace it with dark hair. Take away those rosy cheeks and cherubic appearance and replace it with youthful, strong, vigorous, visage with strong features and deep tan. And you find that the Christ of the Bible, Jesus of Nazareth, never broke out in laughter that I'm aware of in the Bible. It just doesn't recount it. So maybe he was forever rolling in the aisles, but I have yet to come across that. Nor did he ever, ever back down from telling the truth. Never did he avoid offending 
the religious powers of the day, the unrighteous, ungodly, unfaithful Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes and doctors of the law and so forth. Never, ever, the rulers of the synagogue, never, ever. And contrary to what various hireling pastors and ministers would have us believe, he did not pander to the prostitutes. He did not pander to the publicans, to the tax collectors. He didn't pander to anybody. He was nobody's fool. And if you look at the way that he communicated with his mother, he did not go out of his way to heap honors upon her and praises upon her. Strangely enough, amazingly enough, he did not do that. He is virtually always depicted in ways that in fact demean him and dishonor him and invariably misrepresent him. Now, I don't know if you've ever experienced being misrepresented. I have. Many times, many ways. And I have suffered being uh, the victim of character assassination time and again, as I referenced going way back. But being misrepresented, being made out to stand for and believe and espouse things other than what you do believe and stand for and espouse is extremely, excruciatingly upsetting to some of us, to myself and to some, and I know it was to Jesus. He always, unlike those such as myself, he always, no matter what, spoke the truth. He never yielded to the temptation to keep from offending someone or other, to keep from bruising their feelings. He never allowed himself to be manipulated by people who not un... Uh, not rarely, not once in a blue moon, but frequently you encounter in Christian circles people who manipulate you and people who try to get you to conform to their will and to their agendas and to their agendas for you. He never, ever, ever allowed himself to be manipulated. I wish the same were true of me, but it simply is not the case. And my life would have been vastly different if I had been more Christ-like in that regard and in myriad other ways. But here we are on the verge of 
the anniversary of the birth of Christ. And there are all these who will say, oh, no, he wasn't born at this time of year and so on and so forth. Well, just because the calendars are wrong and they are badly wrong, just because these Georgian calendars, the Catholic calendars are so far off the mark as far as what time of year it is, as far as when the new year actually comes, that doesn't change the fact that Jesus Christ's birth as we know it from the Word of God, not from celebrities and VIPs and the beautiful people and the modern revisionist historians and so forth. But as we know it, in fact, from the Bible, not the commentaries and all of this other nonsense or popular Christian writings, but instead from the Bible as we know it is at hand. It always bothers me when I see the birth of Jesus Christ misrepresented, made out to be something very different from what it was. Here we have a baby born who was all but slaughtered so shortly after his birth. Satan hell-bent on destroying him so that Satan could destroy and overthrow God's plans and so that Satan could destroy and damn all of mankind. But Satan failed, failed then, and has been failing ever since, but causing great suffering among humanity, among humankind around the world. The new year, you might imagine that the new year is so close at hand and New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and New Year's resolutions and all of this. What's not the case? The new year is not in the heart of winter. Now, I just got through traveling twice across the breadth of the United States of America in order to move to relocate to a place that I left five and a half years ago for health reasons, and which I came back to only so that I could afford uh, to purchase a property. But the wind is blowing, the snow is snowing, and it is cold up here in northernmost New England. But Traveling across the country, you get to see a great expanse and a great variety of this nation, depending on whether you take the time to do so. If you're flying, of course, you don't. But if you're driving, uh, and you're driving, pulling who knows what all, and then you're driving uh, the largest size U-Haul and what have you, and across different paths across America— you do get to see some things. And so I get to see the northern 
areas of the United States of America, those areas where various great-grandparents of mine were from or where they happened to dwell, and then to see the Great South, the Deep South, where other great-grandparents of mine were from or dwelled after arriving in the United States of America. Perhaps my family is vastly different from yours. Perhaps. We keep hearing from these wonderful manipulators of mankind that the Confederate States of America, you know, that the Southern states, the Confederate states, that those states that seceded, constitutionally seceded from the Union, that their leaders and their soldiers were traitors. Traitors, terrible traitors. And they betrayed America. And not only do they deserve no honor, but, of course, they deserved vastly worse than they got. Even though those of the South suffered monstrous, monstrous losses in the war and the destruction of their properties and the theft of their properties and ad infinitum. But I have great-grandparents, great-grandfathers, <laughs> lest there be any uh, confusion about that. Great-grandfathers who served nobly in the Confederate armies. I also have great-grandfathers who served nobly in the Union armies. So again, maybe, maybe my life is just totally different from those of any other Americans. And maybe I am completely out of step with everybody that's out there. But traveling across America, grueling, arduous uh, trips across this nation gave me the opportunity to refresh my memory of this nation. And... The movers and shakers who have such power over this nation, who have for so long done everything in their power to destroy this nation, to destroy the fabric of this nation, to destroy the people of this nation, to destroy the spirit of this nation, to destroy the faith of this nation— and the worship of God, and not just some secular rule of law, which is so ballyhooed and made such a big to-do about all of these who just worship the rule of law. Well, I have news for you. The rule of law in and of itself is nothing to praise or honor, much less worship. 
when those laws are unjust, unrighteous, ungodly, perverse, vile, lewd, profane, dishonorable, anti-God, anti-Christ, anti-human, honoring and obeying and submitting to those laws is not virtue. It's not honorable. It's not wise. It is absolutely destructive. Destructive of the truth, destructive of freedom, of liberty, destructive of what this nation was created, sacrificially created to be. I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. In case you missed the introduction... I am responsible for this program. However, any good, anything praiseworthy, anything virtuous, anything noble in this program is thanks to the Lord and God of creation and his Christ Jesus. And whatever is lacking... in this program is thanks to me. Christmas was not a holly jolly time. I I don't know, maybe you enjoy nightclub music, cabaret music. Maybe you enjoy Big band music. Maybe you enjoy jazz music. Well, I abhor jazz music. (laughs) Same way I abhor Jabberwocky. But I just abhor it. And even though there is big band music that I can tolerate, such as that of some of the big bands during the World War II era, The nightclub music, the cabaret music of the likes of Frank Sinatra and his Rat Pack, I abhor. I hate the singing of Frank Sinatra, not just because I despise Sinatra and everything he stood for. Unlike Ronald Reagan, who had no such feelings. But. For me, and I am not a singer, I do not have a good singing voice. I wish I did. It would have been very, very, very helpful over the years. But for me, Frank Sinatra is just flat as can be and utterly unenjoyable and utterly uninspired. Just He is just dead on arrival. His music is horrible, which is when I've gotten drugged to the Olive Garden for some sort of family get-together on a few occasions, I have suffered through the music of Frank Sinatra. The reason I mention this is that the worst Christmas album I have ever heard was a collaborative effort of Frank Sinatra and Bing Crosby. Now, Bing Crosby was known by a number of different little quasi-titles. One was 
old blue eyes. Well, Frank Sinatra was jealous of that, and he took that one. But anyway, these buds, Bingo and Frank, both miserable human beings as far as I'm concerned, and Frank, an absolute gangster and destroyer, they put out this Christmas album. And it was absolutely the worst Christmas music I have ever heard. For me, Christmas music, if it is just decorative, if it is just whimsical or something, isn't good enough, to put it mildly. Because it grossly misrepresents Jesus Christ. Now, that isn't to say that I abhor Christmas romantic comedies. In and of themselves, I don't. However, dear old Hallmark Channel and its media arm, Crown Media, which it purchased back, which was public, and it took it back, privatized it. And then there are the different offshoots or portions of Hallmark, Hallmark Channel, Hallmark Movies and Mysteries, the new one, Hallmark Drama. Even though it's new, it's, it's replaying former Hallmark television programs. But the problem I have with dear old Hallmark, and there are many programs of theirs that I like. <laughs> I am, if anybody is a fan of Hallmark Channel, it's me. But at the same time, I also view these things somewhat critically. Because when I see programs that are trite and cliched and badly written and horribly badly cast, it bothers me. Or that have lousy music, what have you. It bothers me. Hallmark only creates however many per year. Two dozen, three dozen such programs. The Christmas programs supposedly limited to 12 new programs per year, whatever. And year after year, they waste a solid half of those programs, many of those by badly casting them with people that never should have been cast in the lead roles and who keep getting cast year after year after year, Hallmark favorites. And having them produced by people that produce sloppily and carelessly, and using the works of writers who keep churning out stuff that is sorely lacking. That's not to say that none of the programs are good and enjoyable. But I am disappointed that Hallmark continually prefers to promote Santa Claus and magic and 
all manner of such things instead of faith, faith in God, faith in Christ. And as you will see in an occasional commercial and in an occasional program, in the name of depth and diversity and tolerance and so forth, we'll also pay some homage to sodomites. Sodomites, sexual perverts, they have the same opportunities that everybody else has. But they choose their perversion. They choose their corruption. Oh, I know, supposedly that's not the case. Supposedly they're born that way and they have to do that and they have to act it out at the earliest possible ages and so on and so forth, which is utter, total, complete nonsense. But they are proud of their corruption. But Hallmark Channel and its family of channels are virtually the only place on TV to find Christmas movies, Christmas romantic comedies, Christmas romantic dramedies, and what have you, and romantic dramas, and what have you. Virtually the only place. Yes, Lifetime or Lifetime Movie Network, uh, those two that go together, they will finally show a few. It grieves them to do so, obviously, because they have so much horror and so much blood and gore and so many horrible programs that they are forever showing and that they will show right up to Christmas and immediately after Christmas. And yet they will break down and have some programs that are decent, that are good, that you'd think would be on Hallmark. And then there are the other channels out there. I don't know who all and what all they are, such as GAC or Great American Country or what have you. And, of course, the major networks that will then play a version or other of the Christmas Carol and of It's a Wonderful Life. But Hallmark is just virtually the only place And so I'm disappointed when they are not all that they could and should be. But anyway, I will never, ever, ever have the opportunity to be in a capacity, a role such as chief operating officer, president, COO, over all programming to change things for the better. And to see that none of these movies are badly casted. To see that none of the stories are grossly lacking. To see that none of the programs are carelessly and sloppily produced. And to see that none of the advertisements that adorn these programs 
at every advertising break that none of those advertisements are offensive and ugly and unseemly and detract from those programs. And furthermore, never to be in a position to see to it that none of their best programs or any of their programs, after their initial viewing, after their premieres, that none of them are edited down to allow heavier spotloads of advertisements. And never in a position to decide what the schedule should be and which programs should be featured and which should just be left aside. (laughs) But anyway... There are more important matters in this life. And so even though I would very much enjoy the opportunity to do those things and that challenge, that will never be mine. Just as I'm sure many of you will never get the opportunities to do various different things that you could excel at, that you could do extremely well, and that you could improve upon what various offerings there are out there, but you'll never be given the opportunity because instead, the people with the great resumes, you know, they've always been cast in these starring roles. Even though they've always been lousy in those roles, they've always been cast in those roles, so they'll go on being cast. They've always been promoted from this position to that position to the next position. They've always been an executive and a rising executive and a top executive. And so they will always be chosen for another such role, only higher up. Ronald Reagan was a respecter of persons. We are not supposed to be respecters of persons, but he was. And as a result of that, he ended up picking people for various different positions who had no business being selected. But he paid honor to them because of their success, because of the positions they had been in. Not what they had done in those positions, but what roles they had had, what titles they had had, what positions they had had. It is such a mistake. But of course, he was also stabbed in the back, figuratively speaking, by his vice president, who stacked the deck, who stacked the positions with his people instead of Reagan's people so that he could put forth his agenda. So when he, George Herbert Walker Bush, was elected, following the two terms of Ronald Reagan, it was not a continuation of Reagan, not remotely. But... We now have Donald Trump, something shy of a blessing. However, it could be worse, could be Hillary Rodham Clinton, could be, could be Albert Arnold Gore Jr., could be Michelle Obama. Could be Dianne Feinstein, Barbara Boxer, Patty Wilson. Could be a certain woman senator from Massachusetts. Could be one of myriad people who would be 
ruinous, further ruinous to this nation, which has been degraded year after year after year after decade after decade. So what kind of things are people perhaps thinking of at this time of year for Christmas? You know, the secular Christmas. Well, as I travel across the country, one thing I keep seeing is cannabis. Cannabis. It always makes me think cannibal. How they think cannabis is the most erudite and fashionable and acceptable way to push marijuana. It does, I suppose, seem exceedingly much more sophisticated than pot or junk or dope. But, again, it always makes me think cannibal. And I'm going to resist the temptation to digress with regard to that. But perhaps you happen to see something about, you know, the effects of marijuana. Well, there's a great, 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 vast amount that is not known about marijuana use. And there will be more findings that will come out over the years. And, of course, there will be a great deal of hiding and obscuring the worst, just as there has been about hiding and obscuring and denying the abortion breast cancer link, the link between induced abortion and greatly increased incidence of breast cancer and earlier onset breast cancer, so much earlier onset, and deadlier, more recurrent versions, strains of breast cancer. But they'll go on denying. So they'll go on denying the truth with regard to marijuana because... Why? It's a cause celeb, just like induced abortion. And these things that are their favorite things, sodomy, if you remember going back to AIDS and all the lies about AIDS and the connection to sodomy, and all of these lies about the truth of the abortion breast cancer link, and all of these lies about marijuana, but it increases the risk of a driving crash, which is fascinating because these various states, Washington State, Idaho, and what have you, they advertise, the state governments advertise about the need for people not to drink in order to reduce traffic fatalities. And yet everywhere you go across those states, you see the advertisements for marijuana. And across places like Montana and wherever. I mean, it's all across this nation. Marijuana causes lower birth weight babies. And who knows what terrible birth defects will finally be shown to be caused by marijuana. 
shockingly, there's a connection between the use of pot and the incidence of impaired academic achievement. Who would have dreamt? Amazing. An increased risk of developing schizophrenia among frequent users. Shocking. My word. Who would have imagined such a thing? Increased risk of depression and social anxiety disorder. Increased incidence of bronchitis. And it might be a trigger for a heart attack. And now, the gotcha. States that have legal access to pot, children are more likely to accidentally consume pot. One school I saw, one high school, it said it was praising the fact that only, I shouldn't say only, 74% of the youths were not using pot. Isn't that great? I'm Brad Thomas, and this is After All is Said and Done. After all is said and done, then we will know, won't we? But perhaps we can know now if we choose to. Merry Christmas.